Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at a time. Hosted and produced by Andrew Paul and Lisa Pruden, the well-endowed podcast explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds. The podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. You can check them out and subscribe right now at thewellendowedpodcast.com. We're back. We're still a little sick. A little. I, I sound like I'm a smoker today. I'm a little gravelly. For the record, I am not a smoker. We had that cold a few weeks ago, and it was one of those colds that just like the dregs of it linger for days. Oh, lingers for forever and ever. Yeah, and we're both still kind of at that like phlegmy blah point yeah. where it just hasn't quite gone away. Uh, good news. Little update from last week. Our son is doing much better. Oh, much better. Yeah. Uh, after several days with a fever, he bounced back. He's back to his old self basically no problem there, yeah so. so everything's okay there we're all recovering from the myriad illnesses we've been suffering from since basically school started it takes so much longer to recover from a cold when you're doing it as a family yeah right like our daughter is only two she hasn't learned to cover her cough consistently and so she'll and of course she's two right so she gets right up in your face and then a cough comes and she's like ah Like, right in your face. Well, and, I mean, part of getting well is having the time to actually sit down and recover. To, like, take a load off. To relax. To sleep. And these are all things that you cannot do when you have two children who are well and you are now suffering from the illness that they gave to you when they were sick and you were looking after them. Yeah. So, like, we're very slowly getting better, but we keep going through these cycles of reinfection. Yeah. Right? Because we're all coughing and sneezing still, and then our kids are not... They're children, right? They're small children. They're not super hygienic. Just clouds of Lysol all over the house. There should be. Yeah. (laughs) Enough talking about all the gross. Anyway, yeah. We'll uh, get into our uh, latest episode with a recap of our previous episode, where our team was awoken in the morning to various drone incidents. (laughs) Various, various... Varieties of drone attack. Uh, first with a surveillance monkey and then later with an attack drone that shocked Rucker. The team then ended up getting ambushed by Robin Hood and his merry men. I'm going to put ambush in air quotes because let's be honest, if it was actually a fight, the merry men wouldn't have made it very far. Uh, it's true, but uh, it does result in a notable hand injury to our lead protagonist, Dr. Addie Cox. Uh, yes. Uh, and then the whole team agrees to go and talk to Arthur Beckett, who appears to be the man in charge of the merry men people. Merry people? Merry people. Sure. Because uh, there are women, let's yep. be fair. No. Merry people to the merry band. And uh-huh. uh, the merry band takes the mercenaries and they begin a trek towards Sanctuary. And chapter 11 of Questland by Carrie Vaughn. So uh, this chapter is kind of broken down into like two halves. Yeah. Almost. The first half is them 
making their way to the, I'm going to call it town. Yeah, that's the best way to describe it, I think. And then the second half is them at the town meeting with Arthur. Yes. And I, it's probably a little closer to like two thirds and a third, but like they're the two parts. in your in your standard two act chapter structure. Yeah. So first act, second act, right? First act's always a little longer. I, and I know our our book has been doing this the whole time, but for some reason it really stood out to me in this chapter how very Tolkien it is. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and I mean in the way of feelings and descriptions because. Addie is constantly hammering home how real things are, right? How authentic things are, how mm-hmm. how realistic, how believable. And like constantly, she constantly has to point out how real things are to the point where she doesn't know if a cat is actually a cat. And to me, that just screams shades of Tolkien where it's all feeling and description because the setting is really important to him. Yeah, it's clear that for the Questland team, the verisimilitude is very important. Oh, yeah. They want you to feel like you've been physically transported to an authentic location. Yes. And very little is left, I want to say unaccounted for almost. Like a lot of thought has gone into it. But at the same time, she notes that things are very clean and very pristine, which means that there is like running water. Confirmed later on in the chapter. There yes. are probably toilets squirreled away somewhere. Like... It, you're not living rough, but you're living kind of like this weird agrarian idol. Yeah, it's it's this weird ideal version of. Yeah. Right? It is It is a sanitized version of. Yes, a very sanitized version uh, of. Of the Middle Ages, which is very fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like literally a sanitized version of, right? Yeah. Because if this were historically accurate, everyone would be sick and there would be poop all over the place. Basically, right? yeah. So, uh, as mentioned, the first part of the chapter is them actually making their way to the village. And this is an opportunity for a little bit of information gathering from both the merry people and from the mercenaries. And I found it wonderfully entertaining and very telling that there is something up. Yeah. Torres wants to try to get a little bit of information from Robin Hood and his team before they get to where they're going. And Robin Hood is being really reticent about talking, but the rest of the team can't help themselves because fundamentally, the mercenaries are the first people to show up on the island and actually play the game. And they're legit excited about that. They want to hear their experience. They want to know what's going on. They're like, did you see the Sphinx? How did that look? Like, was it realistic? Did it did it work? Oh, don't worry. It wouldn't have hurt you. There's safety protocols in place. We're all cool. Like... <laughs> Several of the the members of the Merry Band here are tripping over themselves to hear oh, yeah. what it was like. The one guy is just kind of nerding out about it. He's like, oh, you actually saw the spiders? Like, ooh. And meanwhile, Robin Hood's like, shut up. Yeah, guys, shut we up. We don't know who these people are. Stop talking to them. The thing that really jumped out at me here is that these people, Addy Notes, have clearly been living like this for a while. Like, we know that the island has been cut off for about five months. At least. They've clearly been living as Robin Hood and his Merry Men for a while because they're very comfortable they, they've got a teamwork dynamic going on they're very comfortable moving through the wilderness but at the same time they're still game devs at heart and they're still thinking like any day now we're going to be back at work because they're like oh yeah the sphinx riddle was really easy we should hey rob we should talk about like some difficulty levels for people who need a bigger challenge and robin hood's like read the room guy like, dude this is not the time <laughs> i loved i loved how awkward this whole walk and talk was for them because uh, both sides are wondering if the other side is a good guy or a bad guy. Yeah. Right? So we're not... Are we friends? 
are we enemies? We're not sure. We're kind of talking, but we shouldn't. But yeah, and it was just there's humorous. A, there's a wary truce going on. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. The really pertinent thing that we learn here is that Wendell, of course, brings up the drones like, hey, that attack drone was pretty sweet. And then they bring up the flying monkey drone. Mm-hmm. And Robin Hood and his people are like, what flying monkey drone? <laughs> the flying what now? And Torres can't even disguise his joy at this little bit of information that gets dropped because he's like, excellent. There are factions on this island. Because if there's factions on the island, that means that not everyone is working against them. That's right. That means that they have potential allies. Yes. And that's good news. That's very good news. (laughs) And he's very pleased to hear it. Well, and it's nice to know that there are employees, if that makes sense. I mean, they're all technically employees. No, but you know what I mean? As opposed to just a handful of people that have taken over the island. Right? Yeah. Like, if, if that's what the mutiny actually was. No, these are employees. These are the people doing, like, the grunt work. Yeah. Right? These are the people doing the the programming, the development, the building. Right? Working on immersion. If this were Disney, they'd be the Imagineers. I think, right? actually, uh, if I'm not mistaken, <clears throat> Dominic's team would be more the... Um... Well, no, they're the... Dominic's team is the dev team. They're the ones who are coming up with the ideas. Tess Selvakan's team are the engineers. They're the ones who are making that a reality. Oh, yeah. They're the builders. And uh, Arthur Beckett's team is the production team. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they all ha- they're all doing their own thing. Because one of the things that gets brought up in this chapter as well is we see another statue of Harris Lang. Look at all... Harris Langy. All heroic. <laughs> and I think Addie is the one who asks, like, what's up with all of the Harris Lang veneration? And Robin Hood's like, nah, it's not my choice. If I had my choice, it'd probably be like St. George or something. But something the, a little more accurate, the, right? The dev team really likes Harris Lang. And Addie's like, oh, that, that tracks with what I know of Dominic. Because Dominic, of course, we know kind of worships Harris. Yeah. 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 So we still don't entirely know what's up. But we don't at all by the end of this chapter but to get have, ahead of ourselves. Well, no, but we do have a slightly better idea now. Yeah. Right? Okay. Um, also, uh, a couple things that are dropped here and there. Number one, Robin Hood and his merry band here actually float the idea that the mercenary team might have been brought on as secret beta test. Yes! Like, our theory from earlier, <laughs> they actually just outright state, like, are we sure these guys aren't, like, mystery shoppers? Who've been right? sent they're to like, check out the island? They're, like, secret secret game testers? We also confirmed something that you theorized, that Wendell was probably injured by accident by the spider. Right. Wendell's like, I got totally injured by that spider, so it doesn't have very good safety protocols. And one of the design people is like, oh, crap, I knew those metal legs were going to be a problem. We need to look at that. So it it probably was legitimately not an intentional injury. Yeah, which makes me go, yay. Yeah. To be fair, the spiders weren't meant to take on guns, yeah. I don't think. So there there might have been a problem there. <laughs> right. Yeah. <clears throat> So we trek through the woods and get to the lovely, quaint little, I, fant- li- the picturesque, Tolkien-esque uh, fantasy village. I called it not Hobbiton. Well, it's definitely not Hobbiton. Legally, legally distinct from Hobbiton. Well, it's it's people-sized and there aren't hobbit holes. Yeah, but it's basically Hobbiton for like regular humans <laughs> and not hobbits. Uh, it's very quaint. We see people like getting water from a well and work in their farms. And I think there's a woman feeding her chickens. Yeah. Right? Like, Addie freaks out over a cat for a minute thinking it might be part of the game. Kate, the cat turns out to not be part of the game. We need to pause for the cat thing because that was a reference I did not understand nor did I have any luck looking it up. What is up with this cat? 
Why was it so important that she find loose change to try and buy something from a cat? I also don't know if that's a specific reference. I think she just thought maybe there was an adorable cat merchant and wanted to see what happened if she tried to buy something from it. Mm, I disagree. I think she knows something that I don't. Yeah, well, there's a there's a reference somewhere, uh, a popular myth, a piece of pop culture, a something, because she was, it was really important. Well, that one went over her. my head for sure. Okay, listeners out there, if you know it, please tell me. I have had no luck in trying to find out what it's from. Uh, either way, it turns out to not be a thing. It's no. just, it's a real cat. It's a, a real, authentic, actual, honest-to-God cat. Which makes sense. I mean, if you're going to be moving to an island to work on a theme park for possibly several years, you probably bring your pet with you. Hmm. Probably get permission. It's probably fine to bring your cat. But at anyway. any rate, um, they're led through the town to a tavern. And Addie describes it as basically every tavern you've ever imagined from any fantasy ever. Yeah, with the it's perfect long hall and the the long wooden bar, and the tables, and Arthur Beckett is set up in the corner, looking all like Strider with his hood up, his smoking a pipe. It's to the point where Addie literally bursts into laughter. Oh yeah, and calls him out on it specifically, Strider. Like it's practically the scene from the movie, right? Yeah, clearly <laughs> she's like this was set up ahead of time to impress us. Arthur, however, seems like a pretty reasonable dude. Thank when, goodness. When we actually get a chance to talk to him, his first order of business isn't even who are you people. His first order of business is, oh, God, you've been hurt. <laughs> you are bleeding. We uh, should fix that. They uh, they go and get water. This is the point where we're confirmed they have running water yeah, behind running water. Bottoms. And you know there's a toilet in the back somewhere. Yeah. And they get healing potions. Or healing herbs, they call it. Yes. Which it turns out is something they've concocted on the island, which is like a, an effective, like, cure-all. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Once again... Spared no expense, right? They could have brought out a standard first aid kit. But instead they brought out their they brought out a first aid kit that was made to look like a fantasy. It came kit. out of a treasure chest for crying out loud. Yeah. Right? Like the detail that these people went to, I can't imagine how much money they spent. Uh but it, it very effectively helps both Addie's hand and Wendell's shoulder. Yes. Because uh, Wendell's like, Can I get a hit can, of that too? Can I have some? And Arthur Hilarious is like, two of you got it? Guys. <laughs> Guys, this is the first time people have come on the island to play the game, and we've already got a 40% injury rate. Get it together. <laughs> this is not good. But again, it underscores that even Arthur Beckett in this moment is still thinking as a theme park designer. Mm -hmm. Like, he's still like, any day now we're going to get back to work. Yeah. Well, okay, they've been cut off for five months, but for how long before that were they working on this? Uh, presumably right? years. Years and years and years living this lifestyle. They're immersed in creating this world. It's probably all they think about. Could be. And now they're trapped there. So it is all they think about because now it's all they have. Yeah. Second order of business, Arthur wants to know, who are you guys working for? And Torres is like, well, obviously we were sent by Harris Lang. And Arthur's like, do you have proof of that? And he's like, yes, I have this little... <laughs> Weird little hologram yeah. USB something something that he pulls out. And Arthur checks, first of all, you've seen it. And Torres confirms, nope, this is for your eyes only. It should be like it matched was, to your uh, thumbprint. Yeah, coded to his thumbprint. And sure enough, he activates it and Harris Lang pops up as a little Princess Leia. <laughs> it's a little projection of Harris Lang that delivers a message. And, it was very Princess Leia. And uh, is like, hey, this is Torres and his team. You can trust them. They're working for me. They'll figure out what's going on for you. And Arthur's like, sweet, finally, someone is here to figure out what's going someone's on. Someone's here to help. And Torres is like, what do you mean, figure out what's going on? Don't you know what's going on? And essentially, Arthur Beckett's like, nope. 
Well, yeah, he's like, who's in charge at Tor Camelot? And Arthur's like, I have no idea. Yeah, that's not literally what plays out. Basically, Torres asks Arthur, like, if you can get us to Tor Camelot, like, within the hour, we can get this solved within, like, a day. And Arthur's like, cool, so you have all the codes and stuff. And Torres is like, "Uh, no, we weren't given any codes or anything. We were just told to go and, like, that's the control room. And Arthur's like, well, the problem with that is that you're assuming that I still have the codes to get into Tor Camelot, and I do not. Torres is like, well, then who has control of Tor Camelot? And Arthur's like, that's a very good question. We have no idea. I have no idea. So it could be Dominic. it uh, It could be Tess. It could be... The park's evil overlord AI. I had thrown that out That's as a my, possibility. My my current favorite is that is uh, now pointing towards robot uprising. That they accidentally did Westworld yep. by making a dark lord who took over the island. Yep, they accidentally made like a super villain who Moriarty'd, or yeah. at least Moriarty'd enough. Yeah, that he's like, no, no, this island is mine now. And basically, this Dark Lord is holding the island captive. Well, and my thinking process for that, I even mentioned in the previous episode, was, like, if you're making your fantasy world, you need your big bad, right? Gotta have big your, bad. Your Lich King, your Dragon Lord, your 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 Master of the Rings, whatever, who's doing his evil around the island, and that's your meta plot. So they invented this guy, and he turned out to be too good. Realized yeah. that he was a fictional character on a theme park and was like, I'm not going to be set up to lose. To a bunch of tourists, I'm gonna take over this island for real. Well, see, I don't know. I don't know. the The Overlord doesn't necessarily need to gain sentience to do that. They might have just made a too powerful end boss that effectively took over the island just out of hand. Yeah, who thinks? Who like sincerely follows his programming? Who, who and is, it is the fantasy world? But this is his fantasy world, and he's got control of it because they just made him too strong. Yeah, that's possible, right? He doesn't have to be full Moriarty. He just needs to be super strong. That's fair. See, yeah, they should have sorted out the difficulty levels earlier. That clearly. Uh, and yeah, that's basically where the chapter ends. Yeah. So we've learned a little bit more. Which is nice. Some of our theories confirmed and or quashed at this point, but we're also left with a larger lingering mystery. Even one of the three design heads for the island doesn't know what the heck is going on right now. Yeah. That does not bode well. Does not bode well at all. Also, we know that there is definitely more than just Arthur's team. Yes. Who are... Both aware of the mercenaries, which is another question that gets brought up and not answered in this particular chapter. Who sent the monkey? Well, no. Torres's team asks, like, what tipped you off that we were on the island? What set off an alarm? What gave you an alert? Was it the Sphinx? Was it the spiders? Like, And no one answered that. They're and like, no oh, you saw the Sphinx? Oh, you met the spiders? Yeah. So uh, we don't know exactly what it was that tipped them off. Yet. I don't know if that could was be the diversion woodland... or just excitement. Could be the woodland animals. They might have run off and told Arthur's town about the weird mercenaries. Why would you keep a cat in a village next to another village full of tiny animals? Well, nearby too. Not right next to. Just saying. Anyway, the important part is they now have allies on the island. Yes. Arthur seems to be on board with trying to fix whatever's gone wrong. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. This is a good thing. That is a good thing. And it means Addie might get a real bed tonight. <laughs> or a cup of tea. Or, something oh, she's a desperate cup of tea. for. Desperate for a cup oh. of tea. Uh, Addie also actually keeps in her back pocket her identity in this chapter. Yeah, she's, she jokes and like, I'm the bard. But she doesn't actually give her name. And she even like glances at Torres at one point, And Torres is like, nope. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Well, just in case, right? Because she's got that in with Dominic. And if they don't know what they're dealing with, maybe that's good information to keep in your pocket. Yeah, maybe that's an ace you don't want to play right off the top. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Also worth noting that this chapter is the first time that Addie's really felt like part of the team. 
Like so far, all books, she's felt like the outsider. But now that they're actually interacting with another group of people, she immediately identifies in her head as part of Torres's team and is treated as part of Torres's team, not just by Robin Hood and his merry band, yeah, but also by like the other mercenaries. Yeah, yeah. Are like, no, she's with us, yes, like because she is. Yeah, which was nice, a little cohesion. Yeah, she, for the first time, she's feeling like she's gelling with them a little bit. Yeah, that's all going to fall apart later, I'm sure, but. Still, at the moment, it's very nice. Indeed. Yeah, a pretty juicy chapter. Yeah, I'm excited to go forward because I think there are more answers coming. Or at least more questions. Yeah, I mean, obviously Arthur's going to probably be able to fill them in a little more on what's been going on the last five months, even if he he himself doesn't have all the answers. Yeah, I'm expecting more exposition, which is good. I like, I like a little more knowledge at this point. And then presumably he and Robin Hood and the rest of the merry band are going to join up with the mercenaries and try to head towards Tor Camelot and maybe get some answers there. So. Maybe. Or at least be helpful. If they if they are unwilling or unable to leave their posts for whatever reason, they can at least assist. Indeed. Which is good. So, something to look forward to. Yay, an upturn for our heroes. Hooray. So, uh, yeah. I guess that's where we'll kind of leave things off with some more questions, but a few answers at long last. Yeah, I guess that means that maybe we'll have to read up on chapter 12 to potentially get some more answers. You'll want to read up on that in time for next week. In the meantime, you know, not everybody has magical healing herbs made through advanced science and high technology at the bleeding edge of medical science. Great expense, I'm sure. Sometimes you just need to rely on a regular old doctor. And if it's something related to your workplace, you might need to rely on your benefits. And if you're working for a small business owner... Uh, they might want to turn to an organization like Alberta Blue Cross in order to help them provide the benefits that you need. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Life as a business owner can be hectic, to say the least. Alberta Blue Cross understands that. They offer flexible health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Even better, you can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time and on any device. That makes life easier for them and for you. You've got this when it comes to group coverage for your small business. And Alberta Blue Cross has got your back. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. Alberta Blue Cross. Hooray! Like I've said many times before, if you haven't heard us talk about them, you haven't been paying attention. Or just, the you picked a weird first episode. Yep. Go back to the start of the book, please. <laughs> At any rate, you can uh, find out more about Alberta Blue Cross and the other podcast sponsors, and check out all the other wonderful podcasts right now by going to albertapodcastnetwork.com. While you're there, if you find another podcast you want to listen to, you can probably get it on your podcatcher of choice. That's probably where you're catching this pod. That just makes sense. You could give us a little rating and a review. We'd appreciate that. We really would. You can then reach out to us, potentially on social media. Yeah. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. So pick your poison. We're at the read along on most of those, trying to be easy to find. Yeah, you can also send us an email. Yes, we are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. Similar to, but legally distinct from Tolkien. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. <laughs>